certainly at first glance, it seems like that. And it certainly would be a lot easier if you're wealthy. However, if this is an idea that really resonates for you, depending on the way your home is structured, let's say there's a basement, Mm -hmm. you could make that basement into an apartment Mm -hmm. and you could, you know, have your own apartment. Um, If it's not, a facility or, you know, a, a house that has that kind of structure to it, you can still create space. You know, years ago, I remember doing a podcast where we spoke about how you create space um, so that you're not on top of each other all the time. And I remember talking about, like, that you do chores separately. So someone's out of the house when the other person's home. Or if you have a, a dog, one of you walks the dog while the other one doesn't. This week, more married couples are living apart today than ever before. Why is this happening and what does it mean? Dr. Karen Sherman has some thoughts. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Time to We're on top of the world tonight. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the brilliant, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Good to be with you. It's always great to hear your voice. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Uh, she is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. And she, she is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. Um, okay, Karen. So we, uh, you actually shared an article with me that was uh, published in the Wall Street Journal, and it was the secret to these successful marriages. And it gave a couple bunch of a couple anecdotes. And the answer to that question is living apart. <laughs> um, I think this is interesting. So the number of married people living apart, which includes military couples, is. To to be open about it is a very small number. It's four point eight percent, but in the last decade, um, it jumped three point six million, according to the Census Bureau. Why do you think this number is rising? I think that in today's world, we have many different lifestyles, um, individually. Uh, in the way we create families, in the way that um, we accept um, different gender situations. And I think that this is just part of the same trend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, A 2020 study, uh, this was also mentioned in the article, found that the share of newly married couples living apart were not because of discord, uh, more than doubled to 13% in 2018 from 6% mm-hmm. in 1980. Um, so that is a, that's a 
substantial jump and yeah. <laughs> what are we at 40 40 years wow 1940 years so um do you think that in the next 40 years it will jump another uh you know doubling to 26% well i wouldn't want to you know make an assumption about the amount but do i think it will continue yes and i think part of the reason that it will continue is because we it's it's not uncommon to have dual income families but i think it's also with the acceptance that the woman may want to pursue a career that is in a different location than her husband mm-hmm. and that um that being the case she's not going to be um, expected to necessarily live where he is living, but she would be able to pursue, you know, um, something that is a good opportunity for her. Mm -hmm. And so therefore they might live apart and then get together on the weekends or, you know, whatever. But I think that that's a a contributing factor. And so, yes, I do expect it to increase. Mm -hmm. I, I find this whole thing, fascinating because I do feel like we are in the midst of a large socioeconomic rearranging that's taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we're speaking, um, we are in the middle of the what they're dubbing the great uh, resignation mm-hmm. uh, of workers quitting their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, it also coincides with a 60-year low in unemployment, um, which means – People are not just quitting, but they're quitting and that's it. It also coincides with rising wages for the first time in a very long time. And so there's this new shift that's happening. And I was just listening to another podcast uh, called On the Media, and it was discussing um, how we have uh, bought into this idea that you need to love your work, Mm. um, which is this concept that, um, started during like the labor movement and all sorts of stuff, but basically how companies have essentially like trapped employees to think Mm -hmm. that they have to love what they do and they're all family and they very specifically use family, um, and that kind of a dynamic as a way to, uh, disempower their employees because you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that to your family. Like you wouldn't look mm, for mm-hmm. another job, uh, you know, and cheat on your family, that kind of stuff. And so it's just very interesting that, um, as we're talking about this, we have this situation where w- what you were just describing is somebody living apart from their spouse specifically because they do love their job and they wanted to do that individual pursuit. Um, we also know that there is, um, uh, a, a shift to um, mobile working to where you don't necessarily need to go into the office mm-hmm. five yeah. days a week and all that kind of thing. So that will also, I think, be interesting to see how these numbers shift um, in, in the coming you know years and decades. Uh, but I, you know, like you, I don't want to make any real strong predictions here, but it, it, things are definitely changing. Um, mm-hmm. and the power dynamic I think is shifting. Um, we are still grappling with what's dubbed the gig economy. Um, so when you think about taking a minimum wage job where the employer won't allow you to work full time because then they'd have to pay you benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they cut your hours short. Um, and, but they still demand that you show up on time and the X number of days a week and et cetera, et cetera, where you can drive your car 
at any time you want and get paid as well, if not better than that minimum wage job, people are opting for that instead. Um, Every everything is kind of changing right now, and so yep. I just find it. I just find it very fascinating. Yeah, um, I did want to comment on something you said, Steve, when you said that work environments would try to make it like you're part of the family. And my sense was that you had a negative spin on it. My thinking is that it's also a way for people to feel inclusion and to feel like they're part of something, that there is a connection that's created. It's not just, oh, you're just coming in and and having a job. So I'm not sure that the family concept is all about um, preventing you from leaving because you'll feel guilty. I I think there's some... um, thinking that it would help people feel more um, in tune with, with, you know, being part of this group. Right. I, um, I don't disagree. I actually do think a lot of people do buy into it's, you know, for me, this terminology and phrasing reminds me of student athlete, which is used Mm -hmm. in the NCAA, which Mm -hmm. was a term that I think a lot of people sincerely take to mean good athletic scholars, um, mm-hmm. But that's not the how the term was originally conceived. It was mm-hmm. conceived so that the NCA didn't have to pay out a liability claim for, for a football player. Mm. Uh, and it's been documented, documented and was used in court proceedings for that very specific purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, like I think people do take it um, – on its face value. And I think the same thing applies to people talking about the workplace as like family. And I think, I think you can have that too. So I don't, to your point, like I don't want to discredit it completely. Um, but I also think, um, when you have, and again, going back to that podcast, cause I want to take credit for this. Uh, when you, when you talk about family, uh, you don't lay off aunt Judy because she had a bad quarter. Mm-hmm. You figure mm-hmm. out how to keep her in the family, and that's not what happens in the workplace. Yes, they lay off their family is, yeah. members for the bottom line, or they do it for Wall Street or whatever. And I mm-hmm. think that's the disingenuous aspect of it. Um, but you're right. Like there are 100%. I, I mean, it's funny, as we're recording this, um, tomorrow night, I will be meeting up with coworkers who I started my career with um, at a magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, like decades ago. And Mm -hmm. we are, we meet every single year around the holidays because Mm -hmm. it truly was like a family. And I feel extremely grateful for that. And so I, I don't want to like besmirch the idea that you can't form these really strong, thoughtful, uh, deep rooted bonds. However, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you've heard all the other stuff. So yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, so um, this also gets into when I was talking about everything changing, a lot of the anecdotes that were used within this Wall Street Journal story involved couples who were remarried with kids. Um, Is this something that is particular to that family dynamic where they are remarried, they already have established uh, families, and so it makes it easier to kind of keep that uh, wall up between the two? I wouldn't say that it's a way to keep a wall up. I would say that when you blend families, there may be lots of difficulties and challenges. And if you are going, if you each have children, 
it might be beneficial that you keep the children where they are, in their neighborhood, with their friends, with their school, and dis- not disrupt their lives through a remarriage. Mm-hmm. And so it might not be such a terrible idea to have separate households still maintaining um, some semblance of what the children grew up with and then, um, again, you know, see each other get together on weekends or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way, I believe it would make it perhaps a little smoother for the children. It reminds me of when couples get divorced rather than having the children go back and forth between the two homes, there's a concept called nesting where the parents move in and out of the house. So if if I'm the mother and it's my week, let's say, mm-hmm. I live in the apartment with the children. And then if the next week it's the father's turn to have the kids, the kids don't go to dad's house, the father comes to the apartment and he lives with them. Mm-hmm. So it's the parents that are um, disrupted and not the children. So when I read this question, I thought to myself, well, in a way, this is just a variation on that. Right. Again, for the purpose of keeping the children as um, un, uh, uh, you know, unsettled as might be otherwise. Mm-hmm. I um, this actually makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and I think you described it very well as the parents being the one to sacrifice as opposed to the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, I like this dynamic, um, really makes a lot of sense. Um, and you described a lot, ro- a lot of the reasons why this would be so beneficial, this kind of an arrangement mm-hmm. or a variation mm-hmm. of it. Right. So what other benefits might there be for couples to live apart while married? And, and are there any that would apply specifically to, uh, Couples without kids, because this seems to be focusing on those with. Okay. Um, To me, when I read this question, my immediate thought ran to Esther Perel, who I think you've actually had on a couple of podcasts. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she talks about is the lack of desire that seems to unfold through the years. Um, And that one of the ways to, and I hope I'm getting this accurate, but one of the ways to recreate desire is to not tell each other every little detail, to not be um, totally, um, I'm going to say this, and and I'm purposely using this word, exposed in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. because there's nothing romantic about seeing your partner sitting on the toilet. Um, but she believes that it's really important to keep this bit of mystery going on so that the desire stays there. Now, we know that one of the problems in a, a you know usual marriage is the boredom, the lack of novelty, the same old, same old. Well, certainly, if you live apart 
and then you come together periodically, that's going to help that whole concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of goes back to the initial dating situation where you wait all week to see each other. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're, you're really um, happy and excited. And, you know, there's the novelty and everything else that goes with not seeing each other day in, day out. Mm-hmm. So I think there is some benefit to it. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this, and and as we were talking earlier about work and uh, the demands of that, and you think about what a typical day looks like for you know a typical family, it's it's most likely both both people are going off to some job and mm-hmm. coming home after long hours. Uh, if they have kids, then jumping into that role and then um, doing domestic duties. And then when you're completely exhausted, then finally maybe saying hi to each other and then going to sleep. And so you're not getting the best version of them. Um, You know, that is given to their coworkers and, and, you know, and hopefully to the kids and Mm -hmm. everything else. And you're, you're given the leftovers. And so this idea that if that's the version that you get seven days a week, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the quality as opposed to the quantity would make sense and this like living apart arrangement because mm-hmm. it would be a more deliberate get together um, mm-hmm. as opposed to this like hi <laughs> and then right. let's and not go to only that but you would really make a different use of the time because you wouldn't think of well okay so I was going to, we were going to get together tonight. We were going to have a date night and then one of the kids gets sick or one of the kids has a test and you need to help them study. So you never get to your date night. You never get to your time together. Well, if you're living apart, you're going to make the most of that time when you finally get together. Mm-hmm. Right. So now I have to figure out how I can tell Richie <laughs> that this is what we should start doing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember years ago when we lived in uh, Long Island, we had a bathroom in the master bedroom, which was great. Some of our friends didn't have that, but it was tiny. And, you know, we were constantly bumping into each other and excuse me and are you done and blah, 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 blah. And then when the kids moved out, there was another bathroom, you know, that was like the main bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, "Okay, why don't you make that your bathroom? Because... You know, he would have a lot of room and everything, but he was like, you're kicking me out of our bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe that. I mean, eventually it was fine and it worked very well. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that he would really go for this idea, but quite frankly, it really seems as I'm, you know, as I read the article thinking like, yeah, there could really be some very upsides to this. I mean, you're, I mean, you're basically talking about creating your own spaces and Mm -hmm. this is just a more extreme version of that to where the spaces are you walk out your door and go into another door right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um which leads me to my final question for you Mm -hmm. um is this really just like a rich person solution because um being able to afford one household is currently tough for i think most people in the united states right now Mm mm-hmm Affording two households to mm-hmm. live this kind of lifestyle seems um, like only that – only a, a solution for the privileged, I guess. Certainly at first glance, it seems like that, and it certainly would be a lot easier if you're wealthy. However, 
if this is an idea that really resonates for you, depending on the way your home is structured, let's say there's a basement. Mm -hmm. You could make that basement into an apartment Mm -hmm. and you could, you know, have your own apartment. Um, If it's not a facility or, you know, a, a house that has that kind of structure to it, you can still create space. You know, years ago, I remember doing a podcast where we spoke about how you create space um, so that you're not on top of each other all the time. And I remember talking about like that you do chores separately. So someone's out of the house when the other person's home, or if you have a, a dog, one of you walks the dog while the other one doesn't, or you get a screen, um, you know, a, a movable screen and you create some space that way. Mm-hmm. So if it's something that really, really appeals to you, may, though it may not be exactly the way this is set up, mm-hmm. I think you can form some variation of it so that you still have the purpose in mind. And I think you'd probably really have to sit down and figure out um, what your boundaries are and how you're going to do it and how it's going to play out. But I don't think it's impossible um, for people who do not have the ability to support two households to still create a semblance of this. Mm-hmm. So it gets back to what you were talking about uh, 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 when you were uh, mentioning Richie getting the new, uh, newly right. opened bathroom. <laughs> it's finding solutions. And so it comes down yeah. to what we were talking about earlier about creating that space. And so if you can't do it with a separate household, how can you do it within your existing household right. Um, right. so that you don't necessarily – I mean is this really going back to the old-timey days of the couples sleeping in separate bedrooms? Hmm. Interesting. And I think there's something to be said for that also. And and how about the president and royalty? They sleep in separate bedrooms. And now you hear a lot about a snoring divorce Mm -hmm. where people decide to sleep in separate rooms because one of the mates, you know, snores badly and it's very disruptive. Right. So. Again, you know, as we said right at the beginning of the podcast, there are so many different variations that we do today that we didn't do, you know, like 30, 40 years ago Mm -hmm. that are now considered acceptable and doesn't necessarily mean that um, there's something wrong with the particular way in which you live your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And and when you were talking about couples being exposed and deliberately using that language. Like all I could think about, and this might not be the best way to phrase it, but, um, people don't want to see how the sausage is made sometimes. (laughs) And that, you know what I mean? Like that's, I mean that you just want to, you just want to eat a delicious meal. You don't, you don't want to know, like you don't want to know about the snoring. You don't want to know about all the other stuff. And I think that's really at the heart of kind of this concept a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, so anywho, and I know there's other reasons why, and you talked about jobs and other things. So I, I, I recognize there's other reasons for it. But um, anyways, we'll keep an eye on this. I think this is definitely fascinating. And um, yeah, some and just another variation of how uh, of how people can do you. You do you, everybody. Uh, and whatever <laughs> works, right on. More power to you. Um, so was there anything else you wanted to add, Karen, before we go? No, I I think we pretty much covered this. Okay, great. Uh, And with that, we will call this a show. Um, 
But before you go, I want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can also find this information on our website, hitchedmag.com. That's with an E-D. Uh, mag.com. You can also sign up for our free newsletter. It takes about 30 seconds to do so, and that will keep you up to date on all the latest information that we have coming out. So until next time, take care, everybody. And now it's time to explode. We're on top of the world tonight.